We're in Romans chapter 3 to get started, and we are, we're just kind of working through Proverbs chapter 8, and we're in a series called In Defense of Wisdom. By the way, I, I pray that you were encouraged um, last week as Blake finished up his study on the spring feasts and how Jesus has fulfilled those, and, and uh, it's always exciting to see one of your students get to the point where they can rightly divide the word, and that's an encouragement it's also, I think, a very good stamp of approval on our college that we're not teaching people to be theologians, we're teaching them to communicate the Bible clearly. Because I know a lot of theologians that cannot say things clearly. Speaking of which, we're, we have a very important recording session coming up this Friday. Trent and I usually record every other week, and we try to do at least four videos. But some of the things that we're reacting to is right where people are as far as they hear things from teachers and they hear it clearly, there's no problem. But to actually do what they hear is impossible because people are speaking out of both sides of their mouth. I can't wait for you to see this one video where literally a guy looks in the camera and says, can a person lose their salvation? He looks in the camera and says, no. Pauses. Yes. And then he just gives a little, almost like a little smile of, ah, such is life. And you think, no, that's not what the Bible teaches. But how do people get to these conclusions? So there's a lot of work that we're going to be doing, and I want, to be ask, I want you to be praying for that because people are looking for answers, and they're not finding clear ones. And I believe many people are being pointed to our channel. But I want to talk tonight about, we're going to be in Proverbs in a minute, but there's really one word that I want to focus on, and we'll see it. It's the word here, H-E-A-R. And it's one simple instruction that is given in our study tonight, and it is to hear the teaching of wisdom. Hearing is such a hard thing for us to do, is it not? I think we can hear things, but not actually hear them. And we'll talk about that difference in a, in a minute. But as far as mankind is concerned, he is set against hearing the things of God. He's a master at stopping his ears. As a matter of fact, that phrase, we see it in Acts chapter 7, when the deacon Stephen is giving his message to the teachers and scribes and elders in Israel. And the book of Acts says that they literally stopped their ears and they shouted as if they wanted to, like there was a spoiler alert coming up for their favorite show and they didn't want to hear it. But instead it was they were resisting the teaching from the Holy Ghost about Jesus Christ and they killed Stephen that day. He preached one message and it was probably one of the greatest excerpts on the deity of Jesus Christ from the beginning of time all the way through up until he resurrected, and they would not hear it. And these are not laymen. What I mean by that is these were not people that uh, it's their first time coming to church, or maybe they've been to church for a couple of years. These were the teachers. These were the people who handled the law. And when they heard this truth, when Stephen said, as a matter of fact, he says, why do you resist the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost? They stopped their ears. They, they did not want to hear anymore. And in their shouting and gnashing of teeth, they stoned him. And we know that Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, was the one who held the coats of those men as they hurled stones at Stephen. So mankind is certainly set against hearing. We can see that. I want you to consider the truth that we see in this passage here in Romans chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 10 through 12. This is on page 1194. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. 
There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. I really like these verses. Not because of the reality that they present. I already know this about myself. I know this about my fellow man. I know this about my country. And I know this about the world that I live in. There is no good within mankind. But I'm telling you, we're being sold a Trojan horse, folks. We're being sold something that presents itself in one light, but there's Roman soldiers on the inside. There is a plan to bring in wickedness and idolatry into the way that we look into our world. And I think if we're not careful, we'll begin to idolize this idea of there's something intrinsically good within mankind. There isn't. There is not. And the moment that we recognize that and see our need for wisdom from God, that's the moment when we'll see true change of mind in people, true repentance, and people start to look at their lives and say, there are a lot of things that I thought were right, but they're wrong, and I need to make some changes. But until that happens, we're going to continue to spiral towards the condition that we're in today. How about other places in Scripture that highlight the stubbornness of mankind? Can you recall the words of the prophet Isaiah? As he described the heart of Israel in Isaiah 48, 4, he says this, Because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck is an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. Don't you love how beautiful the scripture is? An iron sinew. That's, that kind of contradicts, right? You're not thinking of your neck being you know, made of sinew and muscle and tissue being something that is rigid as iron. If you have an iron neck, you're not having a good day, right? (laughs) You've got a stiff neck. We all know what that's like. Yet this is the description of God's people. They are so stubborn. They are set to the fulfillment of their own desires. And in that passage, God talks about, I've done these things beforehand because you are so stubborn. You just will not listen to my instruction. I want to talk about that word obstinate. It's not a very good word. If someone ever calls you obstinate, it's not a compliment, okay? Here's what this word means in that Hebrew definition there. It means churlish, cruel, grievous, and hard. Sadly, it's the perfect description of mankind, is it not? I think many of us can look back even in our own lives and see how obstinate behavior has ruined relationships. It's so sad that many marriages are ending in divorce today. So much so that the institute of marriage is coming under attack. People would rather just live with each other without getting married because of the smears that have put been put upon marriage. Marriage is a beautiful thing. It's a picture of how Jesus loves the church and gives promises, and we see all that in Ephesians chapter 5. But what destroys a marriage? Stubbornness. Not all the time is it infidelity. Not all the time is it Corruption, most of the time, it's, it's a hard heart that destroys marriages. I remember when Kyla and I got married, we had this little picture of us. Uh, it was a huge frame, and it had a small picture of us in the middle, and there was a lot of space around it. And the intent was for people to come up and to write down, you know, some encouragement, a congratulatory remark, or maybe even leave some wisdom. And I remember when we got home and we were looking at that picture, I'm looking through and many people said, congratulations, we love you guys, we're for you, all this stuff. But one person just wrote scripture and said, let not the sun go down on your wrath. 
And you know, so cliche, right? We can think like, oh, how many times have I heard that? But you know how hard it is to do that when you're really upset with another person? It's a hard thing to do. Why? Because we are obstinate. Mankind is churlish. We are hard and difficult. Look at our politics today. We have sacrificed the truth for the sake of just being right and owning somebody else in a debate. That's mankind. I think it's funny, the the amillennialist, the person who thinks that we are going to bring about the kingdom, sees any good in man to be able to do that. Folks, we're looking for Jesus to come back. Hello. That's the only solution. Not uh, changing the world so that it's ready to accept him. We're studying that on Sunday. You'll see the condition of the world when Jesus comes back. Uh, It's not a welcoming party. I'll just tell you that much. So let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 8. And as you're turning there, uh, this is on page 677 in the church Bible here. The perfect description of mankind, obstinate. He does not lean towards a listening ear. He does not close his mouth and humble himself. He is lifted up with pride, arrogance, and will use any means necessary to have his way realized. It is because of these truths that wisdom's call to hear carries weight in the passage we'll look at tonight. Let's take a look. Proverbs chapter 8, starting there in verse number 6. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the openings of my lips shall be right things. Man, I just want to stop for a moment there. What a promise. Isn't this what we're all looking for? We're looking for the right thing? I have been looking for clear news, you know, like from a website or a magazine or something for years. And I'm always finding some type of spin or some type of opinion that's added into just factually based reporting. People are looking, I'm glad I don't have to do this, but people are looking for clear preachers that just align with the word and not some theological predisposed way of understanding the word. And it's hard to find. I, I know what this is like. You, you, you find somebody, you're like, man, this sounds good. And then the off chance that they give the gospel, they, don't, they add works to it. And it just breaks your heart. Because you're like, man, how does that produce any kind of fruit? How does that produce a soul? It, it, it doesn't. But the promise here is that if you simply, it's this one command. It's the very first word of the passage that we look at. Here. Just listen. And the promise is, all the words of righteousness of my mouth are in, or all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. I skipped seven, so take a look at seven. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Another very good promise and guarantee. The wisdom that comes from God does not carry hidden evil intent. You want to find that? You follow the teachings that have originated from Satan. It's been two weeks now since Dr. Tom Kukuza came here to Calvary. He was visiting his brother who's uh, in rough shape. And he said, I really want to get an interview with Bibleline. Let's, let's make that happen. And so he came here, and, and we talked, and while Trent was setting up the studio, we had a chance to just kind of discuss some, some things before our interview, and, and he just very plainly made a statement that stuck with me. He said, any 
lie that you hear about the Scripture, you know for certain that Satan is its author. There's, there's no question as to how did that happen? How did we get, oh, it's just an innocent mistake. No, it is a lie from the devil. If the devil can attack and change the word of God, then he can essentially put words in God's mouth that are not there. And this is why it's so dangerous that we open ourselves to just anybody's knowledge, anybody's teaching. Know this wisdom first. Know it so well that you can spot an error. I was listening to Moody Radio and Erwin Lutzer was teaching. By the way, that guy's got a voice like butter. And I don't know if how many of you have heard him, but I mean, I'm just like driving and I'm just like, man, this guy could say anything. You know, it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He just speaks so that way. I don't know. But he made a statement about a counterfeit bill. He said, I would be a fool if I tried to take an orange sticky note in the shape of a square and draw my face on it and put the number five on there and present it to somebody as a legitimate U.S. currency $5 bill. No one would buy that. No one would accept that as a $5 bill. What is counterfeit money? It looks identical. There are very small details that you would have to be able to understand if you had a trained eye to what a real bill looked like. And many people, they take counterfeit money and think it's real. Well, what's the lesson there? The devil changes small things, things that you may even need to really see and notice and understand. And it becomes something that is counterfeit. And that's exactly what he promises to do. And we see that throughout history. Jesus says that he's the father of lies. And as we see in this passage here, the promise of God's wisdom, look at verse 7 again. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Remember, wisdom is personified here. It's given attributes so that we can better understand it. She, uh, wisdom is described here as a woman who cries out in the streets, as a, as a motherly figure who wants to teach and shelter and provide clarity. Look at verse 9. They are plain. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and write to them that find knowledge. How often is there an invitation which promises such good results for those who listen? Not often. Most of the time, the allure for man to hear is the promise of personal gain and wealth in his world. Isn't it? How many times you go on YouTube, you start, you start typing in financial success, and I bet you you won't get more than two videos in until someone says, you can make $1,000 a day right now. By the end of this video, I can make that happen for you. And you go, no one's buying that. And then you look at the comment section. And people are sending their email address. The video has hundreds of thousands of views. And you think, there's no way. Well, you know, I don't know why that's possible. Because man is set to benefit himself. Man wants that quick, easy, get rich thing. Because that gives him everything that he wants. So man will hear when it's like, oh, I've got something personal for you. I've got something good for you. Remember, that's what the devil said to Eve. You're going to know. There's things that he's hiding from you. You're going to know. Ooh, maybe I should. It's that easy, that quick. Man is called to listen so that he can fulfill his lust and engorge himself on the pleasures in this life. But the call of wisdom here promises excellent and right things. 
I want you to look at this word here. And it's used 11 times in the Proverbs. And I think its usages are important to note. So let's jump to Proverbs chapter 1, shall we? And we'll look at all 11 uses of this word and see, are there any verses where there's promises? Well, there are. There's about five verses where there's direct promises or or results from listening, from hearing. Let's take a look. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. What's the promise here? As you apply your mind to the word of God by listening, you will increase in learning. Look at verse 8. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The takeaway from this is do not forsake wise parental instruction. Now, it's a sad thing because in our generation today, wise parents are few and far between. There was a documentary that came out on Amazon called Shiny Happy People. And it was a four-part expose of Bill Gothard and the Advanced Training Institute and the basic principles of life and how this man used biblical principles to twist and malign and get people to be the, uh, subject to him. I watched probably one and a half of the episode because I'll be honest with you, I don't like to watch anything where just what is said to be Christianity is you know maligned. I don't like it because a lot of people watch that and go, see, all Christians are that way, which is not true. You want to know the difference between what's taught here and what's taught by Bill Gothard? Uh, the Bible. That's the difference. We stick to what this says. We don't throw things in there, throw our own opinions and try to make it so that we come out as the ones who are profitable. But in that documentary, there was a conclusion at the end that all homeschooling is bad because it all has the Bill Gothard approach. And you know, there's some people who will believe that without doing any research because it's on a highly produced Amazon documentary. They got cameras. They got a crew. It's got to be true. Look what happened to the Duggars. Ooh, homeschooling, guaranteed result. That's not true. I I know it personally in my family. I got two boys back there that are homeschooled. They're more socially adapted than I ever was at their age. They know the word. These kids can spot truth from error. I'm really lifting them up. So someone's got to get a pin and pop their big old heads back there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But you know what? That's, That's homeschooling that's done by the word of God. But look, there's so many people out there that are looking for wise parental instruction. They can't find it. They can't find it because people don't know how to rightly divide the word. I was reading an article and I left a comment that said, every time a parent takes the responsibility to rightly divide the word and puts it in the hand of someone who's not in the home, they're making a mistake. They're making a mistake. Parents are not just simply supposed to repeat what the Bible says. You need to demonstrate it. It's going to be very easy for your kids to grow up and be introduced into the world and they will destroy you as a hypocrite because you never actually did the things that you told them to do. How quick, how easy is that for the world to say, yeah, but they, they didn't do that. The promise here in verse 8 is that those who hear the instruction of their parents and keep it, good things are for them. Look in chapter 4 and verse 1. Chapter 4 and verse 1. Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, 
and attend to no understanding. Again, listen to the teaching of your parents. Verse 10, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings. Here's the first, or here's the second result of hearing. And the years of thy life shall be many. Now, some people want to bring, you know, Disney, Pixar level interpretation here, like, oh, all of a sudden there's a force field around me and I can, I'm not going to die for an extra 20 years. That's not the promise here. You know what this promise is? You hear and apply to wisdom, you're going to keep yourself out of situations that end your life early. You hear and apply your heart to wisdom, you'll probably avoid putting yourself in a situation where you could overdose on drugs. Or be put in a situation because of sexual promiscuity, you get a disease that could end your life. Or you are affiliated with people who may be doing things that are wrong and you end up going to jail because you're affiliated with them and your life is over. Follow God's ways and your years will be long. That's better than any supplement you can take. Amen? And I'm trying all of them. When I was a kid, I had the fish oil, right? I'm cringing right now because I'm remembering this. <laughs> but my dad... My dad wanted me to swallow the pill, right? The, the huge, how many of y'all know fish oil pills? They're gigantic. They're this big. Did you see what I did there? Right over here. That's how big they were. But look, so we had the, oh, I'm shuddering right now. We had the liquid. It was disgusting. You had to pour it full and eat it. And the whole day, anytime you burped, it was a reminder. You had fish oil. Right? They even have it now in Costco. You can get the burpless. I've seen it. The burpless, odorless fish oil. And it's like $20 more for the whole, you know, the whole can. It's crazy. But I remember taking that supplement, and I remember it was like, oh, it's going to make you think better and all that. I still had to take algebra three times, amen? But I, you know, we're always looking for something. You've got to take this pill for that. You've got to take this pill for this, all that. Those things are not really what's going to extend our life necessarily. Now, of course, there's medical conditions, and I'm not really speaking towards that. But if we're looking to supplements to really make our life better, man, let's supplement the junk of the world. Let's supplement and replace that with God's word. Amen? Your life will be extended. Look in chapter 5 and verse 7. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Of course, in chapter 8, which I want you to go there because there's two occurrences in chapter 8 of that word here. Verse 6, which we read, Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my, of my lips shall be right things. What's the guarantee here? You'll hear good and righteous things from God's wisdom. Look in 33. Hear my instruction... And be wise, and refuse it not. Look in chapter 19. Big jump here. But in chapter 19 of Proverbs in verse 20, this is on page uh, 686, that word here is used again. Hear counsel and receive instruction. Here's another result. That thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. What does this mean? As you continue through life and get into old age, you'll be that wise person the more that you have applied the wisdom of God to your life. I was talking with Trent about this today, and we were talking about how how many people know the truth. I'm talking about Christians. 
Oh, they know their Bibles. In a sword drill, they'd probably win. If there were ten tries, they'd get eight at least. But they don't actually do anything that they learn. They're as good as a search index. I can show you this, but I don't know what it's like. Let that not be said of you and me. The guarantee here is that if you hear counsel, receive instruction, you'll be wise as you get to the end. Look in verse 27 of the same chapter. See, this is, this is the first time we actually are told not to listen to something. Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. This is that illustration that I repeated from Lutzer. This is buying the counterfeit wisdom. This is the uh, generic brand, okay? You want the authentic word of God, not the great value. You understand? Look at, we've got two more here. 22.17. By the way, I'm not against great value products if it's a cheaper price. You know what I'm saying? But I don't want a great value Bible. (laughs) I want the real word of God. 17, 22.17. Proverbs 22.17 Bow down thine ear and hear the words of the wise and apply thine heart unto my knowledge. You see all three phases there. Bow down thy ear is the being in the place where it is taught, seeking it out, hearing it, of course, but then applying it. I know, I know that there are people who think it's just the same stuff. Why doesn't it change? You know why it doesn't change? Because people don't do what God says to do. He called people iron sinew, brow of brass. It's the hardest thing to get from that second point to the third. We can be at church, we can hear it taught, but doing it, whoa, I got, I got stuff to do on that day. Sorry, can you send me the cliff notes? Well, not really. And the last one here is verse 19 in chapter 23. I like this one. Hear thou my son and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way the way there what is that the way is the way of righteousness we can take all that we've learned from these 11 verses and draw one conclusion hearing brings wisdom good wisdom excellent wisdom right wisdom wisdom that will prolong your life keep you out of situations where you could lose your life you won't be an old fool at the end of your life you'll be wise as you learn to apply these things I wrote this illustration here. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8. There's a notable uh, difference between hearing with our ears and hearing with our mind. If I were to drop a glass cup on a tile floor, then everyone within earshot would certainly hear the shattering glass. We've heard that in restaurants, right? You're having a meal and all of a sudden you hear in the back and you're like, I don't want to be there. Those who would care to know what happened would turn their heads and strain for a closer look as to investigate the sudden crash of noise. Assuredly, there would be some who heard the shattering of glass but were too busy to be bothered by finding out any more information. They go about their business unfazed by the temporary auditory assault upon their ears. This is how many people are living today. They have heard the word of God taught and have seen the right and excellent things of which it promises, but they cannot be bothered to do anything about it. They do not listen intelligently. To them, God's wisdom is no more than a brief intrusion 
on their self-centered journey of life. They cannot be bothered by finding out any more information. This can be true of the person who rejects Jesus Christ as their Savior, but sadly it can also be true of God's children. A lot of what we're covering on Sunday nights, I think, is some of the most important stuff that we're covering this year because it is clear warnings to the believers to, re- to not resist the teaching of God's Word. To grow up. You are expected to grow. You are expected to do things right. But many people, they're satisfied with knowing they're going to heaven. And the rest of God's Word is like someone dropping a glass in a restaurant. Yeah, you're concerned for a moment, but I've got things to do. Let's close our Bibles. and I want to share with you the most important news in all the world, knowledge that you can know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that when you die, you'll be in heaven. A lot of the stuff we're recording on, thir- on Friday attacks the guarantees that are in God's word. One guy, he speaks out of both sides of his mouth. He says one thing and then says another that cancels out what he just said. And at the end of the day, you're going, what's true? Another video we look at, it's a little funny because you're looking at this guy say, yes, you can lose your, or no, you, can lose your, you can't lose it. Yes, you can. And then the video ends. And you think, how does someone come to a conclusion like that? Another video we're recording is uh, the same man preaching a same topic, but he says two different things about what brings about eternal life. Why is it this way? Why is it so hard for people? pastors and teachers and for people who are seeking to understand how to get to heaven why they can't find the truth because no one's letting the word of god speak for itself everybody's got a commentary a devotional uh you know five-week plan for you to take and you're you're too dumb to know the word let let me tell you that's not how god gave his word and the promise that is in the bible is that if you believe on the death, burial, and resurrection of God's Son, Jesus Christ, then God justifies you right there in that moment and you are eternally forgiven from all your sin. That's the promise of God. And I can illustrate it in this way. If this hand represents you and me, my wallet represents sin, we all have sin. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation forever in a place called hell. That's why people end up going there. They don't have an adequate payment for their sin. You have to be perfect to get to heaven. That's why we can't get there on our own good works. No matter what a church may tell you, there's no amount of good deeds that can pay for this sin. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die. It's not the wages of sin is turning from sin. It's not the wages of sin is giving money to pay for your sin. Somebody's got to die for this sin. This hand represents Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And what God did is he demonstrated his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ, he died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, watch this, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. What's the promise there? If you, the sinner, believe on Jesus Christ, the Savior, amen, your sin is paid for. You will not go to hell. You will have a certain kind of life, everlasting life. Now, I know there's a lot of candy companies out there that tell you you got an everlasting stick of gum, the everlasting gobstopper, whatever it is. How many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Folks, at the end of the day, that candy's gone, the lollipop's gone. 
There's nothing here on this earth that lasts forever except for the promise that God gave through His Son that all those who believe on Jesus Christ receive the free gift of everlasting life. There is coming a day where I will be with Jesus forevermore. And it's of no merit of my own, but it's because when I was 12 years old, I understood that I could not save myself and that I needed a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. And I put my trust in Him. And right there in that moment, 12 years old, couldn't spell repentance for you. Couldn't tell you what soteriology was or justification or anything like that. But I knew that God told me if I put my trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, He'd give me everlasting life. And I've been saved from that day forward because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it can be the same for you tonight. If you're here and you've yet to put your trust in Jesus Christ, maybe you've been trusting in your own good works. They don't save you. Put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. The moment that you do, you receive the free gift of everlasting life. And you've got it forever. You've got it forever. Why? Because you're so good? No, because God is so good. Like that hymn tells us. He promises eternal life. He's the one that can keep us and He will keep us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Heads are bowed, please, and eyes are closed. If you're here this evening joining us maybe for the first time, I'd like to welcome you and thank you so much for being here. But if this invitation to trust in Jesus Christ makes sense to you and you will put your trust in Him, I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask for a moment if you would raise your hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. It just lets me know that it makes sense tonight and you're changing your mind from what you thought would get you to heaven, maybe your good works or a religious system, and instead you're going to put your trust in Jesus Christ. I'd like to pray for you. Is there anyone at all tonight that would just say, Pastor, I'm raising my hand so that you can pray for me. I trusted Christ this evening. Anyone before we close? Heads are bowed and eyes are still closed. I want to remind you that two people trusted Christ this past weekend. Would you pray for them? One of them came on a whim, just searching on a website and found us. Praise God for that. I also want you to look at your life, the things that you're allowing to speak wisdom. Are you trusting in counterfeit things? Have you put the word of God on the back burner in favor of the teachings of man? Friend, be careful that you're not spending time and giving attention to things that are not from God. Dig into his word. Let it dig into you. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study tonight. Bring us back here safely for our back-to-school bash. We're so excited, but Lord, we thank you that we know there's a very strong likelihood you may come back before that event and we'll be with you forever. Give us the strength that we need to do what you ask us. In Jesus' name we pray these things.